If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be with you again, to spend some time, to share some ideas, to take a look at the world, and the world is in a terrible state. Take a look at the world and try to make some sense out of what's happening. And while, of course, it's nearly impossible to make sense of what some people are doing in this world, because it is so absolutely nonsensical that to try and apply the rules of logic and sense to it is simply beyond human ability. We're well into the month of Kislev, and the month of Kislev is a month that is connected so incredibly powerfully with the idea of light and with miracles. Of course, it contains the festival of Hanukkah. Hanukkah is the festival of lights, the miracle of the Hashmonoim, the Hasmoneans, the miracle of tremendous, tremendous courage, a handful of people standing up to the mightiest army at the time and actually liberating our holy temple. We'll talk about that more closer to the time, but... Kislev is very closely connected to that incredible event. It also has the 19th of Kislev, when the first Chabad Rebbe, the Alter Rebbe, Rebbe Shneir Zalman of Liadim, was liberated from the Tsarist prison, where he was unfortunately and terribly incarcerated on false charges, and after quite a bit of time, he was finally released. It's a time that is associated with light and with miracles. And more than anything else, the world right now needs the presence of light and miracles. Miracles because we need the intervention of God's direct involvement in this world. Because after all, even though from a human perspective there's a battle, and in a battle there are strong people and strong armies and weaker people and weaker armies, but it's the battle of the mind. People are so terribly misled and confused, and even leaders of nations who should know better, people involved in the media who should know better, are purposely getting out there and misleading the people. And therefore we need a miracle of sorts to change the minds of people, to open their eyes, to show them the truth, to make them understand what in fact is taking place. And this is why we need light, because as we know, light banishes darkness. Even a small amount of light banishes a huge amount of darkness. But our sages tell us that there are different types of darkness and different types of light. You can have intense darkness and you introduce some light, whether the light of a candle or the light of the sun. It's early in the morning and day breaks, night leaves, the darkness of night leaves us for many hours. But at the end of the day, the sun sets, night comes back. Similarly, when you light a candle switch on a lamp, it chases the darkness away. But when the candle is extinguished, or the light and the lamp is gone, the darkness returns. Because regardless of how intense and powerful the light of the sun might be, or the candle, or the lamp, 
Once they are switched off or the sun sets, darkness returns. But there's a different type of light, our sages tell us. Our Kabbalistic masters talk to us about the light within the darkness. It's a powerful and intense light, a light that is much stronger even than the powerful and intense light of the sun. And because it's so powerful, it's hidden deep within the darkness. Because only the darkness can contain that incredibly powerful type of light. Even physicists talk about that today, the incredible energy and power that is contained within the darkness. And when that type of light is released, when that type of light is exposed, not only is darkness removed, it's permanently removed. Because that darkness cannot stand up to that light. That light transforms the entire darkness into light. And that's the type of light we need in our time. Because although we've had so much light that has chased away so much darkness, somehow the darkness comes back. It returns. It shows its ugly head again and again and again. And over the ages, we've lit so many candles. We've illuminated so many lamps. And yet the darkness comes back and we wonder why. And the answer, of course, is simple. Because the light that we have kindled is simply not strong enough to destroy the entire darkness or to transform the entire darkness. What we have to work at is to expose and reveal the darkness, what is contained within the darkness, the light within the darkness. And that takes, what I said earlier on, a miracle. But it's a miracle that God enables us us, to perform. He gave us the ability, he empowered us through the power of prayer, through the power of Torah study, through the simple act of a mitzvah. We are able to touch that light and to expose it. And this is what our generation needs. We've had too, too much darkness. And this darkness seems to overwhelm us again and again, and we wonder why. And the answer, of course, is that even though within darkness we're able to accomplish great things in the exiles that our people have gone through, we've accomplished immense things academically. The Talmud, the Gemara, so many things the Jewish people did while in exile, but still, the darkness was there. Pogroms, holocausts, pain and suffering, expulsions. There was a lot of light, tremendous light, tremendous achievements. But still, the darkness comes back. We have to work at exposing that incredibly powerful light within the darkness that transforms the darkness into light that removes the darkness once and for all, that the darkness no longer exists. But this takes great courage, takes great strength, it takes great willpower to stand up to that sort of darkness, 
and to expose the light contained therein takes tremendous, tremendous power of our own souls. We have to be committed with absolute devotion to want to expose that light. Because we know the world will change forevermore in an incredibly dramatic sort of way. And this is the time that we live in. This is the month of Kislev. The month of Kislev, it's the month of light. The opportunity is there. The ability is there. What we need is the effort. And the effort is up to us. More of that soon. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. And this also brings to mind the idea of transforming darkness into light and removing the darkness once and for all, the Parsha of this week. The Parsha is Vayetze, and we continue living with the patriarch Jacob. And Jacob is different than the others, Abram and Isaac, Abram and Isaac, although they had challenges, each one in their own way. Yaakov's life is full of challenges. Nonetheless, he is known as the Pechir Sheba Avot, the chosen of the patriarchs, because he is the one that established the twelve tribes. He is the one who is known as Israel, B'nai Israel, the children of Israel. He is the one who brings together the particular qualities of Abram and Isaac. Yaakov is, in a sense, special. And the Parsha this week speaks about Vayetze. Yaakov leaves his father's home, his parents' home, and he goes to a place called Choron. And while, of course, we know the story, he is leaving his home because Esau, his brother, his twin brother, has vowed to kill him, and in a sense he's running for his life. He's also going to fulfill the instructions of his father and mother that he should find a wife in the land of Choron, the family of his mother's brother, Lavan, etc., etc. But there is a far deeper subtext to this entire story of Yetzeh. It's not simply Yaakov running for his life or going to find a shidduch at his uncle's home. Of course it's that. But the subtext is Vayetze Yaakov. Yaakov leaves a world of tranquility, Vayelecharona, and he goes into a world of chaos. And this is a tremendous leap, a journey, an odyssey, that what wonders, why would one do something like that? Why would one leave a place of comfort? And not comfort in the physical, material sense, but comfort in the true spiritual sense, living in the house of Yitzchak, Isaac, Isaac, the great sage, the patriarch Isaac. Why would Yaakov want to go into a world of Haran, Translation of Choron means rage, anger, a world of rage, a world of anger. Why expose himself to a situation which basically means entering a world of tremendous confusion, of tremendous chaos? But this is Yaakov, Vayetze. He goes out. And why does he go out? Because he's going out to change the world. And this is the journey of Jacob. And this is the legacy that Yaakov Jacob gave his children, his grandchildren, all of us. All of us have been charged with this incredible mission 
the journey of going into the world to change the world, to encounter the darkness, to find that light within the darkness, and to use that light to transform the darkness, to bring out that light that removes the darkness forever. Not only to have a temporary light that allows for the darkness to return and the darkness brings with it the pain and suffering of darkness, but to bring the light within the darkness, that intense and powerful light, a light that is so strong, unlike anything else we experience and we see far stronger even than the sun. By Yetzi Yaakov. Yaakov leaves his father's home. He goes into a world of darkness, literally, figuratively, in every sense of the word, because he's going to change the world. And perhaps he doesn't accomplish it all on his own, and even with his children or grandchildren. But he depends on his progeny, all of us, because each and every one of us has a dimension of Yaakov within us. But let's follow the story. What does he do? As he is walking, he is suddenly aware that the day has come to an end. God performs a miracle. Our sages tell us that God wanted him to rest at a particular stop. And what was that place? Mount Moriah, where ultimately the holy temple would be built. And the sun sets long before it's time. And he says, this is a strange place. What am I doing here? And he collects some of the stones of the area. And he puts them around his head because it's a dangerous place. There are wild animals. And therefore, in order to create some sort of security, he surrounds himself with this barrier of stones. And then it says that he put his head upon the rock. Before it says stones, plural. And then it speaks about the singular rock. Why does Torah tell us this story? I mean, after all, it's a pretty natural thing for an individual to do. You're out in the open. You have no way of protecting yourself. Wild animals, snakes, scorpions. Of course you have to protect yourself. How do you do it? You take the stones. And then it says that he poured oil over it in the morning, and he turned it into an altar. What's that whole story all about? And again, our Kabbalistic masters and our Hasidic teachers tell us what the subtext of that story is really all about. The stones, they say, this refers to the letters of creation, how God created the world. We know that God created the world through divine speech and how each letter composed elements of creation. And the combination of letters created specific things and how two letters are able to create a particular type of item, and three letters. The combination of letters, these are the stones. What is Yaakov all about? He takes these stones, 
which are fragmented all over the place, plural. And what does he symbolically do? He turns it into one rock. Because he knows the only way he is going to be successful in this great odyssey of changing the world, of releasing the inner light within the world, is by creating a unity. Taking all these individual stones and somehow miraculously turning it into one rock. That's a great ask. And this is something that we have to learn. How to take things that are fragmented, things that are separate, and creating a dimension of oneness, of unity. Think about it. Whether it's things, or people, or situations, the job of creating unity, this is how we release the light within the darkness. Darkness is fragmentation. Darkness is separateness, chaos, confusion. And that's what darkness tries to accomplish. No sense of certainty, no sense of clarity, no sense of oneness. And it's interesting to note that Yaakov wasn't a young man at this time. He was well over 60. And the interesting thing is, it says that he put his head upon this rock as if to use it as a pillow. What's that all about? The head, of course, is the mind, the intellect. When Yaakov left his father's home, he didn't enter the world right away. He went to the great yeshiva, the great academy of Shemba Eber, and he spent 14 years of study day and night. Why did he have to do that? He had already spent, well, over 50 years of studying in his father's home. As we know, he sat in the tent. He was Yoshef Ahalim. He was a man who was dedicated to study. But he knew he needed an extra dimension of divine knowledge in order to deal with the world. And once he had that, he was prepared to get involved in the world of darkness. And how? By sharing divine insights. By teaching the world the truth of Torah. And this is how you release the light within the darkness. You can't make it up. You can't tell stories that aren't true. You can't create some sort of, well, false social structure. What you have to tell yourself, what you have to tell your children, what you have to tell your society has to be based upon an eternal truth. You have to put your head upon the rock. Creating unity is not an easy enterprise. It takes tremendous courage and strength, as I mentioned before. And then it says, he poured the oil on that rock. The oil also represents wisdom. And wisdom can on the one hand be, well, false wisdom. Or it can be something that flows from the source of divine truth. Oil of Torah. And this is something that we have to remember. 
What is the strength of the Jewish people? What has been with the Jewish people from its very first moment until the present day and forevermore? What do we always have with us? Not a language, not social strength. We had the Torah and the truth of Torah. We have to look at those things that are eternal because those things are truth. And truth is the light that penetrates even the most powerful darkness and calls out for the light that is contained therein. We look at the world today. What we need is a tremendous infusion of truth. Truth. The world is so filled with lies, filled with non-truths. Young people, old people, students, people who go to academies where they study and hopefully study for truth, and yet they are fed with lies, confusion, distortions. And these lies create tremendous, tremendous chaos within the hearts and minds of people to the point where they act in the most bizarre ways, in the most dangerous ways, because they haven't been told the real truth. And Ain Emes Ella Torah, the ultimate truth, is the truth of Torah, which has lasted throughout the ages. This is what Yaakov is telling us. Take the stones, create unity, turn it into one rock. This is the job. The job of changing the world is unity and peace and goodness. But in order to do that, you have to have the strength and courage and ability of using divine wisdom, which is the wisdom of Torah to teach the world truth. More of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. Why is it that the truth is so powerful? And not only just a made-up truth, because that's not the truth. The eternal word of Torah, the eternal word of God, that has been tested in every single situation. And we've gone through many. We've gone through, well, every type of condition. When you take a look at the journey of the Jewish people, when you take a look at the history of the Jewish people, what we've experienced, the challenges we've had, the victories we've had, the successes we've had, the pain and suffering we've gone through, we have been exposed to everything. And yet, we hold on to the truth of Torah with every bit of strength that we have. Why? Why is it that our connection to Torah is so powerful that despite anything and everything that is thrown at us, whether it's good or challenging, we hold on to Torah. And yes, over the ages we have lost so many to the ravages, to the ravages 
of historical experience. But we've always retained a significant minority that has protected our connection with the integrity of Torah. That is the ultimate proof of the truth of Torah. That is the ultimate proof of how powerful Torah is. And that is why we have to protect Torah to the nth degree and to use it in order to protect ourselves as well. Of course we have to use whatever else we can physically, materially, but we mustn't forget spiritually. As we go on through the story of Yaakov, Yaakov comes penniless to Haran. And what does he see? He sees shepherds, herdsmen, sitting around the middle of the day doing nothing. And he accosts them. He says, what are you doing here? If these flocks are yours, then why are you so lazy? Why aren't you, well, letting them graze? And if they're not yours, you're stealing from your employers. The very first encounter that he has with a new society is trying to impress upon them two things. To be involved, not to sit back and be lazy, and honesty. Is it his business? Yes, it's his business. Because Jacob is out to change the world. And then, of course, he has to encounter his uncle Lovan, who ultimately becomes his father-in-law, who tries to cheat him at every single turn. And finally, Yaakov realizes it's time to leave and to go back to his father's home, to his mother's home. But Lovan is out to get him. Lovin is out to destroy him. Lovin has a dream that night. God appears to Lovin. He says, don't you dare. Don't you dare hurt Yaakov or his family. And in the morning, Yaakov and Lovin make, well, a treaty of sorts. And in order to give significance to the treaty, they take a mound of stones and Torah strangely uses an Aramaic term, Garshadusa, which means, well, a mound that gives testimony, witness to the agreement that we've made. Yaakov calls it Gal Eid, this mound of stone that shows testimony, gives witness to the treaty that we've made. The question is, why a mound of stones? We've learned earlier on that Yaakov took a mound of stones and turned it into a single rock. Why here? A mound of stones, plural. And the answer is because Lavan, and what Lavan represents in the world, deceit, dishonesty, falsehood, he's not ready for unity. Yes, he's going to have a treaty with Yaakov, they're going to have some sort of arrangement, but he's not ready to accept the inner dimension of unity, of truth. That's going to take a long time. It's going to take generations. It's going to take many generations before Lovan and his ilk are going to appreciate what truth is all about. Because the journey of Yaakov takes time. 
To transform the world is not instant. It takes many, many years, generations, experiences, exiles, diasporas, victories, and challenges. And this is how we change the world, one step at a time. And each and every one of us has something to contribute. Each and every one of us is able to bring out a dimension of that inner light. And this is why it's so important to use the moments correctly. We're living in challenging times, incredibly challenging times. And it's a great battle between truth and falsehood. And we wonder, how is it that so many people can accept such incredible falsehoods that are being peddled so cheaply around the world? And the answer is, this is what darkness does. This is what the absence of true light does. People accept distortions truth. And this is why we must be witnesses of truth through our behavior, through our words, attitude. We are witnesses of truth. And this is why we have to have the courage of showing truth, of being witnesses of Torah, of showing whoever it is, those close to us, and perhaps even those not so close to us, what has been with us since we've been a people since time immemorial. So when you're in shul tomorrow, and go to shul. Shul's a safe place. Be in shul. It's a fascinating parsha. It's a challenging parsha. You'll see Yaakov going through all sorts of, well, difficulties and challenging moments. He's already received the blessing from his father. He has the strength. He has the courage. He has the determination. He has the wit. He has the insight. He has the truth. And therefore he will succeed. But he needs our help. But when you listen to the reading of the Torah, as I always say, listen carefully to that part of the Parsha that speaks to you. It will speak volumes, I promise. Because this is a Parsha of exposing the inner light that removes darkness forever. And so may it be in our time that we remove darkness forever with the coming of Mashiach. A world of light, a world of truth, a world of peace, a world where everyone understands why, in fact, God created it. Good Shabbos.